yay God. You know what I'm going to need? My Bible. Um, so uh, there's just so many scriptures that we could have gotten into today. Um, and uh, just for a little bit of a refresher, we've been talking about God is good. How many are thankful that God is good? Right? Right? I mean, it could be the oldest. It's kind of the oldest statement, you know, really, that anybody, you know, Christian. God is good all the time. It's true, though, isn't it? It's not just a greeting. It is truth. God is good. And God is better than we think. However good you think he is right now, he's better than that. And when you get a revelation about God that he's better than you thought, he's going to be way better than you think he is then. (laughs) And that's just going to happen for eternity. You realize that that's what eternity is pretty much going to be like. We're going to need glorified bodies just to survive. How how good and glorious God is. And, um, you know, I just think about the 24 elders. They 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 spend more time. It seems like they spend more time on the ground. Than they do in their in their seats, you know, they just keep throwing their crowns down Holy, holy, okay, I think we can recover. They get back, oh, no, he's holy. They throw the crown down again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just think about it. Think about God and um, and uh, and how vast he is and how infinite. And, and so to know him is to be invited into relationship, to experience God. Not that we know him like, you know, we can recite or we, oh yeah, I know about God. Like a lot of people know about God. I saw, I saw a video. It, it grieved my heart. I saw a video pre, um, that was uh, posted somewhere recently and I watched the whole thing. I usually don't, I, I sometimes don't watch a lot of those and it was from a news outlet that I don't. Yeah, but I, and it's not even a major one that you would even probably think of. It's just they do articles and stuff. And, um, and it was this whole thing about how this couple, how they lost their faith. And they, and they, and they're like, and they're like, kind of like, yeah, now we don't believe in God. You know, and I'm like, and that was the whole article, the whole point of it. It's just absolute, um, basically it was an absolutely like there's a spirit behind it, an atheistic spirit that, you know, is is denying the existence of God. And and I and I watched that video and I just thought. How sad, because I don't think they really ever knew God. Because once you know him, that can't happen. You can run from him, you can disobey him, you can try to avoid him. But when you've really met God. You'll never doubt his existence again. And and I thought, how sad that they had some some form of belief system, but they didn't know God for themselves. And you know what? I just declare, oh, you will. I just declare over that couple, you will know him, you know, because he's faster than you and he's stronger than you. And and his reach is longer than you could ever run. And and I just I just declare that and I, I was sharing. Uh, this is how good God is, you know. Like when my like my experience with God 
is just that. It's an experience. You know? Like, I was running from God at a time in my life, and, and I believed that He existed, but, but I can truly say with Paul, you know, Paul said that he wanted to lay hold of that for which Christ had laid hold of him. But did you catch that? Christ laid a hold of Paul. Paul wasn't... Paul already had a religious life. He could quote every Bible verse that there was to quote. He had it memorized. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the best religious guy you ever met. He could outquote you. You know what I'm saying? He had a verse to fix every problem. Whether it helped you or not. But he, you know, and, 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 uh, but what happened? This was Paul. But what happened? One day he met Jesus Christ. The living one. Right? In his mercy, knocks him down. Go blinds him with his glory. Isn't that powerful grace? A persecutor. He was literally persecuting the church. Killing people. Imprisoning people. What mercy and grace where he shows up in his glory. Right? I like what Paul said. Who are you, Lord? You answered your own question. (laughs) And um, this is the preface today. And um, but God is so good. And what I love about this, and this is what I desire for this generation. When, when, I, when I hear about people who are like, you know, challenge. Well, without even being problem focused, like when I look at this generation, when I, and I mean by generation, I mean all people living on the planet right now, regardless of age or where you come from or anything. I just think, I just want them to know you, God. I want them to experience you the way you've showed up for me and continue to do. Because here's what happens when God lays a hold of you. you your, your life won't be perfect. Because you live in a world that is imperfect. And we talked about that. That Jesus said, in this world you will have some troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Right? The promise is not... People go, well, if God's good, then why this? No, God is good, and you will overcome. And if it isn't good yet, then God's not done. And, and if you didn't see a redemption in this life, you're going to see it in, return, in, in eternity. But here's the thing, it's guaranteed. When God is done, when this age is done, there won't be one thing, one injustice left that hasn't been made right. It's already been paid for. We're just cashing it in by faith as we believe. And that's my desire, that this generation would know that. And I'm telling you, it's happening all over the world right now. There's, there's a Jesus movement that's begun on the planet that is greater than the Jesus movement. And it's happening all over the world. But I'll tell you, when you, um, when you have encountered God in that way, in other words, when you've truly been born again and you know God and he's laid hold of you. In other words, I'm not trying to just cling to God's coattail as he's flying away from me, you know, like like and just hang on for dear life. 
And uh, anybody see that video of the hang glider where they took off and realized he wasn't strapped in? So scary. He made it, but he, hang, he hung on for dear life. Well, that's what some people see their, their Christianity as. But I'll tell you, when you realize that you are securely held by God because he has laid a hold of you, when that happens, when you can face challenges in your life and you can actually get discouraged sometimes. And and you can even be in a moment where you're like, is there a like, is there a I kind of want to quit, like not quit God, but quit something. Is this too real? Has anybody ever felt that before? Besides myself? And, and like, and, and, uh, but, but what's amazing is that you can feel that way, but you cannot quit. Because you are held by God. Then you are like the disciples when everyone else was offended. And they were, I think they were kind of offended too. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Everybody leaves. They're still standing there. They're like, I mean, the thing is, (laughs) when you speak, our hearts burn. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand what you just said. It's, why did you say that? We were building a good ministry and, and you chased everybody away with your flesh and blood statement. And I don't understand why. Like, and I don't know. I don't know if I want to eat flesh and drink blood. I don't understand this and and yet they didn't go anywhere because they had met God and they knew that when you don't understand it's you who doesn't understand amen so it's like then when you're at that point you're like here's what I know I don't get it but you're faithful I don't understand but I know you're good I'm afraid But I'm trusting you. Here I am. It's not my life anymore. And that is freedom. That's where there's joy. That's where there's freedom. Amen. All right. So Isaiah 35. Let's look at that. Isn't that a good word? Don't you just want to see a generation apprehended by God? It's happening. Yeah, amen. God is good. He's so good. All right, so um, so God is good. God is always... Here's, let's make a few truth statements here. What does it mean that God is good? Well, one, it means that he's, he's faithful. So God is good means that God is always actively working on our behalf. Isn't that powerful? I have a core value. God's always doing more in my life than I can see. <laughs> and I'm like, I have a suspicion it's way more. Like, I think we're going to get to heaven and go, oh, my gosh, Lord. We'll probably say, oh, my God, because we'll actually be talking to God. But, um, I mean, it'd be weird to call God gosh. But um, anyway. He's always actively working for our good. God is always doing more than we realize. And what we're focusing on today is that God is the Redeemer and is actively working to save, heal, deliver, and restore. 
God makes all things work together for good. The Bible says in Romans 8, right? It says, it says that God, he makes all things work together for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How many love God in the room today? All right. And um, so some are still deciding. I didn't see every hand raised, but that's okay. He loves you. Um, I'm having fun with you. Um, and, um, and so, you know, I'm going to preface some verses today in Luke. It mentions a man called uh, a man who, um, who it says he was looking for the consolation of Israel. And so here's a key. Seeing the redemptive work or the restorative work of God in your life. A key to seeing it is that you look for it. I tell you, as as we as we uh, prayed in worship today, you know, yesterday this room was full with probably about 250 people um, to celebrate a life, Nathan, and um, I didn't forget his name, but let's celebrate Nathan's life and you know to mourn the loss on this side and. Um, and uh, and I tell you, when you see people of faith literally in the hardest situation that you can have on the planet, right, their kid, and um, when you see people of faith who are grieving, mourning, and yet looking for what God is going to do, it it's so humbling when you see that. I mean, that these are people of faith, but. But when you look for God's redemption, you will see it. And and um, and so let's read Isaiah 35. OK, and this this is a messianic prophecy and it's speaking to us about basically what Jesus does in our life. Isaiah 35, 35, um, verse one. So the the wilderness, Isaiah 35. Yes. Good, Shelley. Thanks. Verse one. Um, the wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a rose. It will blossom abundantly. It will also rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Look, at this is the work of God. Strengthen the weak hands. Steady the shaking knees. Say to those who are afraid, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. Or another translation says, your God will come. I love it. Your God will come. With vengeance, he will come and save you. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind, this is what it looks like when God comes. With retribution. The eyes of the blind get open. The ears of the deaf open up. They become unstopped. The lame, they leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Water will gush in the wilderness. Streams in the desert. The parched land will become a pool of water. Interesting thing, that verse, the burnt, um, and the thirsty land, springs of water. In one translation, it says the burning sand, which actually the analogy can mean. Have you, have you ever looked across hot pavement 
and you see that it's a mirage and it kind of looks like water. There's some translations you could actually say the mirage will become a pool. Isn't that powerful? Like, because the mirage is just an illusion, but it's hot, it's empty. But the burning sand will actually become a pool of water. And in the haunts of jackals where they once lay, there will be grass with reeds and rushes. Think about this. The work of God, God is good, he's a redeemer. The work of God means that he comes into every area of our life and remodels it. He redeems it. And this is what happens. When you open the door, we all know this, right? When you open the door to Jesus, he comes into your life. He just starts. He just starts. He's, he, he's like, I bought it. It's all mine, right? It's like when you buy a house. Yeah. Yeah. When you buy a house, right? And then you're like, I love this place. And then you start looking around going, I got plans for this over here. You know what we can do in here? And you... You, you begin to make it your own. Well, just think about when Jesus does that. That's what he does in our life, right? So, I'm going to tell you a story. I, I was debating about, I was really thinking about whether to share it or not today. Um, and uh, because it's a really, like, special it's a very special, intimate story for, for our family. And, um, and, and, uh, but I do feel the grace to share it today. And it's a testimony. It's God's testimony. And, and he deserves glory for the things he does. Amen? It's a great story. I'm going to tell you something that God did in our lives. And um, you know, a lot of people have shame over their testimony, you know. But, but it's like, oh, I have shame over what I used to be. Not a lot, but some do. And I think you need to know that you, you realize what God did in your life. It's actually, my life doesn't belong to me anymore. So it's his testimony. So I tell it for his glory. And when we speak this, I really believe that when I speak the story today, that there actually is a work of redemption that's being released into different areas of life. So just take that for yourself. And, 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 and Holy Spirit will, I, I just believe Holy Spirit is going to be prompting you and, and, and showing you areas of, of your of your life or maybe in relations where God wants to move. And so I just released to you fresh hope today and uh, the redemption of the Lord. But God is good. Okay, he works all things together for good. Now, it doesn't mean that he gives us trials to do his work in our life. That's a good word, right? Everyone, everyone just needs to know that. You know, it's like there's enough trials in the world to where God doesn't have to create any. <laughs> That's right. If he really wanted to work through them, there's enough. He wouldn't have to get creative on that one. And and but the but but the other truth is, is that God is good and only good. Right. Only every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights. James 117 or James. Yep. Thanks. So, Amy and I married pretty young. We were 21. Our first, our first uh, son, Josh, our first child, born at 22. We're 22 years old. 23 months later, Caitlin is born. Our second child. Um, we moved to Reading when they're like, 
like four and two, just about. Yeah, they were four and two when when we moved, and um, and so uh, we we moved to Reading. We're making our life there. Um, after my first year at BSSM, this is uh, 2001 and two, and so um, so in in May of 2002. Chelsea here. Chelsea, you just wave at everybody. Yeah, there's Chelsea. And uh, Chelsea's our, our third child, our 16-year-old. And so Chelsea's born. Well, um, Chelsea is born uh, eight weeks premature. And uh, she's like a perfectly healthy, amazing young lady. God, God really did a powerful work um, there. But eight weeks early, three and a half pounds, spent about Four weeks in the NICU had to learn to um, had to learn to swallow. When you're born that early, you don't, sometimes you don't have the swallowing reflex. And with each of our kids, I would actually say, which with each of our kids, which I wouldn't go heavy on this point, but as I look back, I realized there was something to overcome with each pregnancy. So, like um, uh, Amy had um, with Joshua was was like high blood pressure. They have a name for it, but. It's it can get pretty bad, but everything was fine, and um, but it was tough for her the last month, and um, and then Chel- and then Ch- Caitlin was a really healthy pregnancy for the most part. Well, when she was born, though, she came out when she was born, and it was like silent for just a little too long. You know, we're like, praise God, we just had. A- Why is there no sound? And um, and uh, her the cord got around her neck a little bit when she was during birth. And um, and I noticed that the nurses kind of started to, they were all quiet. They were all like, you know, and all of a sudden like, she cries and they all go. And uh, and I was like, oh, OK, I guess that was a little more serious than I thought it was there for a minute. But Caitlin is so, so smart, so intelligent. And um, and so God, God covered us there. Chelsea, um, four weeks in the NICU, that was a journey. Well, after Chelsea was born. There was um, there was a period of time where like it came around where we got we got pregnant again and um, and we we were excited because we knew we wanted another child kind of the way we did it was we'd have a baby and then we'd go yeah I think we're gonna have another one like we didn't really plan you know and I think we'll know when we're done you know and um, and uh, and we we did and you know what I mean you know, like when we have enough and so. So, Amy is 12 weeks along. She goes to a routine doctor's appointment. She calls me on the phone. She's crying. And I'm like, what's going on? And she had miscarriage. And and I'm just like, what? You ever go through this thing where you're like, this stuff doesn't happen to me? You ever, I don't know, (laughs) you ever think that about something? You know, and I was just like, What? Ah, oh, and so that was tough. We grieved that, and we moved on. She got pregnant again, and uh, this time um, she went into her second trimester, had a miscarriage, and um, and so this one was really tough. We we because you know second trimester, so we held that little girl, gave her a name, and um, and we really grieved that. Cried a lot. I will say in it, there was such a grace. Side note. 
When you, I had a friend who said to me once when I was going through something really tough. He said, you know, somebody told me once, never waste a good trial. And, um, and, I said, and what he meant by that was, you're never going to have a chance to worship the Lord like this. Um, except for now. And, and I thought, man, and there is something about when you don't understand, but you come before God and you say, I, I love you. And, um, well, so that happened again. So two, two second trimester, we held two little baby girls. Well, so this third, third time, um, was really tough. At this point, Josh and Caitlin were too old. I just had this strong conviction and Amy and I were, were both in agreement. They were just too old for us to come home and go, well, we're not having a baby, you know, like, you know, it's like, it was like they needed closure. They were old enough. And I thought, oh, as hard as it is, they need to see their sister. And um, and so I just knew it was right. And so I went, I got them, I brought them to the hospital. I took them. They're just little kids, but they were old enough. And they needed to grieve. We needed to grieve as a family. And um, brought them in the room. Here's, here's your little sister. We were all a mess. And, uh, and, uh, and I remember it was my... After a minute, my son kind of fell against the wall. You know, he kind of started to pass out just from the intensity of the moment. And I said, okay, all right, babe, I'm going to take them home and I'll be back. And my mother-in-law was at the house watching over our kids. And and um, and so I take them out. We're at Mercy, Mercy Hospital. I go out into the into the parking lot. It's late at night. It's dark. I get into the into our red Chevy Astro van. I get the get the kids. Our my sister affectionately called it our toaster, but it was awesome. The van was awesome, and so I get them in, and um, and I sit there and I'm just looking forward, and I just said, just remember, kids, whatever the enemy takes has to get repaid seven times. And uh, and um, and my son, my little son, my little guy, without skipping a beat, he says. Well, then he's going to have to give us a pretty special baby. And I, I just, I looked to the Lord in that moment and I was just like, that's all yours. I'm not going to touch that one. That one, straight to you. I can't do anything about that. You know, and, and, um, and I'm like, oh, drove home. Time goes by and, you know, we'd been to, we'd done, done all the special things, tried special tests. Special shots, special this, special doctors, all the things trying to figure out. There were no correlations. There were no consistencies with these things. It was just a ripoff is all it was. It was just a plain ripoff. And there's no other way to put it. And um, so time goes by. I, I end up saying to Amy at one point, I, I just say, you know, babe, we're really blessed. Some people don't have any kids at all. And um, we have three. And I'm so thankful for our three kids. And, uh, you know, we, if, and we just acknowledged, like, if we knew we could have another baby today and it would be perfect, we, will do, we would do it. We know that. We know that. We have that hope. We have that desire. But, but, I don't, but where I was, and I think where Amy was too, was, was like, but here's, here's one thing for sure. I never, ever, ever want to do that again. I don't want to do that again. And God is good. 
God is good. I love the Lord. He is good. But I don't want to do that again. And that's where I was. And, um, and you know, I remember we kind of had that little conversation. And I think both of us knew, like, okay, it's kind of, well, it just sat with me that it is, I accepted it in many ways. But one thing that bothered me is I thought, my girls are going to get married and have kids one day. I, I don't like the way this ends for us. It's not an ending. You understand? I'm like, I know that they're going to be covered. They're going to be blessed and all that. But I just, I don't like this story as an ending. And, um, but I was in that place. I don't know. God is good. He redeems it. Everything works out for our good. And I just remember thinking, how will you repay this seven times? How? How would you do it? Because we don't actually want seven more kids. Like, that actually would not be the best thing in the world. Like, for us. And, and I went to school with a family that had like 14 kids. But, and, uh, but, but you know what? That would be too many for us. And, and, um, and I just thought, how are you going to do it? And, and uh, so pretty soon, Chelsea, she's just a little girl. She starts saying, uh, so Chelsea was nine and a half. Um, well, so she must have been about probably seven or seven and a half when she started saying this. And she starts saying, I want to be a big sister. I want to be a big sister. And she'd tell me all the time, I want to be a big sister. It was so sweet. And I'm, but I was just like, oh, I know, babe. I know. You know. Uh, and um, and I just kind of go, well. So she draws this picture, little girl. She draws this picture with crowns. And here's the picture. I should have dug it up. I should have brought it in here and showed it to you today. Um, in the picture, there are three kids. It's her, Caitlin, and Josh, all with big smiling faces, and then a like a curtain. And then on the other side of the curtain is a bed. There's Amy on the bed, pregnant, with the baby in her tummy, and me standing by the bed. With a big smile. And Amy's got a big smile. All of us have big smiles. And I was looking at this picture and I'm like, when has Chelsea seen a room like that? I don't think she ever had. Where there's that curtain, like where you'd have a baby and a curtain. She'd never been in a maternity ward or anything like that. And so, um, and so I don't know why, because I, I had settled, but I tacked this picture up on my wall. Um, in my bedroom, I, and I know it was the Lord. It was a prophetic word through our child. It was God. And I tacked it up there, and this thing sat there for like a year. I'd see it every time I walked out of my room. And we're moving along, and all of a sudden, one night, I'm at a Friday night service. Chris Valton is ministering that night. I was youth pastoring. I got sent next door to check on the on the overflow room. So I went next door, checked on the overflow room. Everything was good. He'd moved into a ministry time. I come back in and, and Chris is up there giving words of knowledge. And he's like slightly, it's kind of funny. He's giving me this word of knowledge. And he's like, just slightly irritated that like no one's responding to this one word of knowledge that he's giving because he's convinced it's God. And he's like, and it, not, I mean, maybe irritated, but he was persistent. And he was like, I walk in just as I'm walking along the front, right? So I'm like, like here, he's up here and he's just saying, he goes, listen, I know this word is for somebody. 
And he starts to repeat the word. He goes, you've had three miscarriages. You have, and he starts like describing our situation to the T. And he says, and God wants to restore it. I looked up at him. I'm like, I was like, I'm like right here. I look up and I was like, that's us. And he goes, that's you. Well, boom. And then he starts prophesying the restoration over our family. I'm on the ground. I'm a big mess. I go home. I tell Amy the word. She goes on and watches. She finds the spot online. Well, within that year, she's pregnant. She meets me in the hallway. She goes, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, and I remember standing there in that moment. It wasn't a struggle. I just remember having this thought. The next thing I say is important. And it's that moment of like, whew, you know, <laughs> you know, it's real. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, and I, I just paused for a minute and I said, well, praise God, we're having a baby. And, um, and, uh, so then the story goes on, like, we, we changed everything. We didn't want to go into a doctor who is looking at us going, why do you keep doing this? A doctor with no faith? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause in the natural, why are you keep doing it? And, and I'm like, we can't, we don't, I don't want unbelief in a doctor. And so we choose another doctor. And we're getting used to this new doctor. She's pretty good. She's like, oh, well, she over, she looks over the history and everything. Now, by, by most doctors, she's considered high risk at this point. But she's like, well, yeah, don't need to do anything. So she takes no measures, no tests, no supplements, nothing. Just normal, healthy pregnancy. Well, we just when we're getting comfortable with this doctor, we go in for a normal visit. I tried to go to the doctor's appointments as like everyone that I could with our kids. I walk in, she goes, well, I should tell you that I'm closing my practice and this is our last appointment. You'll need to find a new doctor. <laughs> so I said, okay. So we go find, I'm going to shorten this part, but we, we go find another doctor. This guy's really good. He's like highly recommended. And we get into that appointment and we're pretty far along in the pregnancy at this point, okay? And basically what the Lord was doing was he was actually orchestrating the situation so that we could not say that it was anything. So our trust was only in God. Not a doctor, not a procedure, nothing. So I walk into this guy and he goes, oh, did you get this test? No. I just blank stare. Concerned look, really. Are you taking such and such? No. And he was like two or three things. Then he goes, well, you should have. And he's like a little bit upset for a minute, right? And he goes, well... At this point, it's too late, so we're just gonna we're just gonna keep going the way it is, and uh, we're like, okay, thanks. Well, it was the healthiest pregnancy, easiest pregnancy that Amy had ever had, and the short of it is, Molly is born. When, yay God! Yeah. Chelsea's nine and a half years old when Molly's born, and I'm gonna tell you how it looks. For a sevenfold restoration. Because what happens is we put God in a box and we think, I want you to do it this way, or this is what it looks like for you to redeem the situation. You do it this way, what I want to see. But I'll suggest to you that God has better ideas than you and I. And 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 I'll tell you that Molly, when she was born, it felt like we all had a baby. Like 
it, it didn't just felt like we had a bunch of kids. It literally felt like Amy and I and all our other three kids. It was like we all had a baby. And, and I tell you, like, it, she was a gift to our home. We love all of our kids the same. But the, but our kids were the age where they, like, literally celebrated. So you'd come home, Chelsea would be like, you know what Molly did today? And they were all doing, like, what parents do, you know? And, and they were all, it was like, and Josh would be like, oh, you know, and Caitlin's like, you know what Molly did today? They, they would all, and we'd share, like, Molly's, or we'd, you know, Chelsea was talking the other day about how we would spend more time in the living room together after Molly was born, because we'd all just sit there and watch Molly play. And, like, and, and, and really, God's restoration of that trial, that very tough time in our life, really is that, you know, when God does his redemptive work, it really does wash away. It doesn't matter how long the trial was, how long you waited for the breakthrough. You know what I'm saying? Like the breakthrough, when you're waiting for a breakthrough, it seems like a long time. But have you ever noticed that when you get the breakthrough, suddenly it doesn't matter anymore how long you waited because you have it. And, and there is restoration. And, and, uh, and, and I realized I didn't understand, like, that when my son said from behind me, he'll have to give us a special baby, I'm like, he was prophesying. Actually, this is how God's gonna do it. He's gonna give us a special child. But it's not just about the child, it's about what God is doing in our entire family through this gift. And I will tell you that, that, You know, in the scripture, there's this principle like he who has ears, let him hear. Or if you can receive it, Jesus would say things like this. And and one of the keys to seeing the goodness of God in our lives, especially. In the redemption of ripoffs, like you got a child that's serving the Lord. Or there was a loss like we just came together over one of those yesterday. It was wrong. It's a loss. And when I say wrong, I mean the enemy. It's the enemy. We have one enemy. It's not flesh and blood. It's not people. You know, and, and, but you go, how will you do it? And God says, I know how. And a key to seeing that redemption work in our life is surrender. In other words, I let go of what I think it looks like for you to redeem this situation. Because when I, when I decide what it's supposed to look like, you know what happens? Hope deferred. Because God only plays by his own rules. And the good news is, he's got a bigger plan than us. Like, do this, God. And the Lord's like, that's cute. That's really cute. You, know, I, I, you got such a, bless your heart. You ever have somebody say that to you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like the most condescending, uh, you know. Hey, you want it? Bless your heart. Anyway, it's not condescending when we say it, but in the South it can be. But, uh, but, uh, but God bless them. And, um, see what I mean? And, um, and, uh, and I, would you stand with me? And I just felt like as we share this today, Think about, because here's the thing, 
that was so powerful. And I love to boast in God about this part of the story. Do you know what I didn't really have at all? You know what I didn't have for, for that? Faith. I didn't, I didn't have any faith for that situation. You know what I had? I had a buried hope. I think Amy and I had a buried hope. But I can tell you that we didn't have faith because faith knows. Faith is confident. Faith is sure. Faith is like, God's got this. And it's tenacious and it's powerful. And I love faith. We're people of faith. We're called to walk in faith. But I want to tell you that our God is such a redeemer that even when we don't have faith, then all we have is a hope that we dare not speak out loud. That he will wrap himself in zeal and work salvation with his own hand. Like, because where I got in our, with, with, in our life was, I got to the point where I'm like, you know what, God, it's okay. It's good enough. We have three kids. It's good enough. And I'll tell you what. It was like God showed up and he said, it's not good enough for me. I want better for you than that. And he did something that I honestly was not believing for. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? This is how good God is. He's so nice. So if you've got a place in your life where you're like, and a big part of actually seeing it is honestly acknowledging the pain. Just being real with God. You know, sometimes it's funny because God sees everything. He knows our every thought, our every motive, our every feeling. He knows every single thing, but some, but somehow we're still not honest with him sometimes. He might as well be. He knows. You know, it's like, you know what, God, I'm actually really, really... I'm hurting. Like, I knew that. I was waiting for you to say that. Because now that you say it to me, I can come and rush into that place. Where that burning sand was, I can come in and make it a pool. Where that place where the jackals, you know jackals are like, yeah, you know, they're these wild dogs that just take and steal. It's just a perfect picture of the enemy. They prey on the weak, the straggler, just like the enemy, like a bully. God says, I'm going to come in there with my river. (laughs) Wash out the jackals and new life grows. So if you've got a place in your life where you're looking for that, and you're like, and just between you and the Lord, and you're like, maybe you're where we were. Like, honestly, I'm not even, even have enough courage to say that hope out loud. I'm just, I've just been, you know, whatever. Or there's just a place in your life where you want to see the redemption of the Lord. God is good means that we win. It means that we win. He is good. It means he's already won. And so just, just lift up your hands, if you will. And, and, um, I want to pray for you. Father, I just thank you that, um, that, that, um, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. God, I thank you that when we talk about things you do, it perpetuates it and releases it and multiplies it to others. And I just thank you, God, for this work of redemption that you've been doing in this house. The testimonies that are even now in progress that, that, that we know about. And, and we just thank you for what you're doing.